This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to... Ba-ba-ba. We're a year old. It's our birthday podcast, Steve. Well, it's incredible, isn't so, it? So, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. I don't think when I... When we launched this podcast. Yeah, I didn't think we'd still be doing it after a year, because I thought after about three weeks... We'd still be droning weeks, on about Brexit. Well, I didn't think that... I did, it wasn't that I didn't think that someone would still be droning on about Brexit. I just thought that after about three weeks, either you or the editor would go, God almighty, this is awful. Yeah, just get back to work. Just, just get back to work. You're having far too much fun. Yeah, no, it is, it's been a great deal of fun. It has. Uh, we're still having fun, and we yeah. hope to have more fun. Uh, over the next uh, 45 minutes or so. Yeah, and the reason we're still here, actually, is not just because we've got gradually better. Yeah. Very, very gradually. <laughs> yeah. But it's because you lot have listened, so thank you very much. Yes, it's wonderful. Thank you all. What are we going to talk about this well, week? Well, we're going to do the news first, as always. Yeah. Then we're going to do me and Jerry chatting about Nigel Farage. Yeah, then I'm going to come back in. Yeah. And do Brexiteer of the Week. You know how it works. Yeah. Let's just do it a year on from the first one. Hello. Just happy birthday. Happy birthday to us. Hey. What about the Lords this week? Hey. Bless those unelected saboteur (laughs) bastards. Traitors. Love them. I love the Lords. Was was I mean we were expecting lots of defeats, but I don't think we were really expecting the uh, single market, were we? We weren't. No, we weren't. The, uh, the I certainly the, wasn't. I was sat in the boozer. The votes are still worse. You were in the boozer. I had yeah. to run back, and I had to say, "What about the Lords?" Eh? And I was like, "Huh?" And you were going, "Yeah, that's it's good, isn't yeah, it?" And I like, went, "No, it's <laughs> even back better." Here. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Yes, and it's put um, it's presented Labour with an opportunity, hasn't it? 
It has. It's presented them with somewhat of an open goal, which which Diana Ross style, they will. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn will now run up and uh, and swing at. What and, song and was miss. she singing when? Because she, she was singing at the same time as taking that penalty. She, she was, yeah. What would the song have been? I don't know. It made the it made the goal fall down though, didn't it? Whatever song she was, it was singing, funny that. it See, was. was Fireworks came out and the and, the, fell and the, the goal fell fell apart. Yeah, it was even worse than Chris Waddle's penalty four years. Prior. It was, yeah. Um, yes, open goal. I, I, get, I mean, with Corbyn, he he's had a bit of a tin ear for Brexit. Yes, in Bob well, mainly because he's probably a bit Brexity. Yes, um, and so the the membership don't like Brexit, do they? No. No, but the, is it too much to resist this? Is he going to be able to resist kicking Theresa May squarely up the bracket? Well, you would hope so, wouldn't you? I mean, look, we can talk in a, in a minute about the percentages of Labour members or Labour voters who want a soft Brexit and, and the percentage of Labour members who want to stay in the single market. Um, it is an open goal. Every Everything that I have read so far... And I don't know what you've heard. I mean, you talk to politicians on a daily basis. I just read stuff and listen to stuff about politicians and watch stuff, unfortunately. Um, it doesn't seem like he's taking the bait, does it? It doesn't seem like he's eager to run with it well, for all yeah, the, for all all the his, reasons. He used all his six questions at PMQs on the customs partnership. Well, he did. But I think that's more to do with making the Prime Minister... Look, feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and, and he definitely won PMQs this week. Uh, he did, yeah. He was he was far better than Theresa May this week. He was. I, th- I think. I mean, we can discuss this in a minute as well. But I, I actually think that. I mean, I think he was allowed a bit to, to do that, wasn't it? I don't think it. I don't think it turned out as badly for Theresa May as he he'd hoped. It turned no, out. It turned true. out very badly for Boris Johnson, yeah, yeah. which is what I think both he and Theresa and May wanted. He's getting redder and redder, like a big tomato. It was hilarious, wasn't it? He did look like he looked. Um, he looked more and more like a, a big tomato with his little bit of hair on top as the little green he, he looked, stem. He looked a bit like you know when. I mean, I've not I've never done it. Well, certainly not in current employment, obviously. But where Good. you've got a meeting the next morning, but then you you sort of accidentally stay out too late. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you and then you rush to get in. And you're not really thinking about anything, and then you sit down in the meeting, and you realise you've got the mother of all hangovers. He did look, um, yeah. and then someone's putting you on the spot. That's he, looked what he looked vexed, like. didn't he? But back to Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, what do you what do you think he's going to do? Because look, the, the Lords, you know, the Lords have, have, have voted that uh, we should stay in the EEA. Yeah, uh, which is effectively. Uh, that's the economic, uh, the European economic area, that's isn't right. it? So it's, so it's effectively the, the Norway model. Uh-huh. So so it's effectively staying in the single market, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Eighty three bold Labour peers defied. Yeah. The whip. Yeah. And um, that, I mean that was that's embarrassing for Corbyn, and I think this is a turning point for for Labour and Corbyn because there's been lots of pressure on Theresa May from. Remainers yeah. and from Brexiteers inside her own party. Yes, the Remainers inside Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party. I'm talking uh, MPs have been cast aside like Chucker to the point where they don't really doesn't really matter what they say. They're, they're no. very much the awkward squad. Whereas Theresa May's got a 
got to juggle that that cabinet. Yeah, yeah she's got them around her, and and the other one, exactly. the the, the, ch- the chuckerites have, have been. You're right; they're, they're not really in it, are they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. Whereas, well, I mean, they've been ostracized. You could say ostracized. They've they've taken a lot of them. Have, like Chucker have taken themselves out of it. They didn't stand yeah. for the yeah, yeah, shadow cabinet true. elections. That's true. That's true. Um, but now with this with this Lord's uh, rebellion, yes, I think maybe Corbyn's asking himself a few difficult questions. But also, it, I, I don't trust in Jeremy enough to think that he might do this. But maybe someone is saying, boss, hey, look, this is an opportunity for us to, to defeat the government. And there's nothing better than you that you like, Jeremy, than, than beating Tories. Well... Look, I was, I was, I've been thinking. I was thinking about this exact point last night. If there was a vote, and somehow Jeremy Corbyn decided, and he put his years of um, his years of being very sceptical about the whole European project and looking at the whole EU as some kind of capitalist club that keeps all these um, other countries down, which which we we know that he does. If he some how when actually lads reverse ferret we're gonna we're gonna go all in to stay in the EEA and for this Norway model. I think the maths almost begin to add up, don't they? Yeah, if yeah. you can bring oh, yeah. over Ken Clark, if you can bring over Anna Subri, the, uh, the all all of these people, the, the maths stack up. There'll yeah. be a few more Tories. Obviously there'll be people like Dennis Skinner and Kate Howie who go the other way. But the maths stack up. And in that case I think that there is a very good chance that Theresa May would go, well, all right, but what we actually need now is another general election because I don't believe in this to sort this out. And a general election is something that Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonnell have been clamouring for. So, so in many ways, I think that this is a, a, a it's an amazing opportunity for the, the, the Labour left to secure a general election. I think it's probably... Well, I know you disagree, and you think there'll be a general election next year. Yeah, but I think I can't see. I can't see. I just can't see that Jeremy. There is no, nothing Jeremy has done has said to me that he is dynamic enough to make those those sort of decisions. Yes, I don't. Uh, I don't think he would do this, but I think this would be a way of. I think this would be a way of getting a general election. Is what I'm saying. But I, I agree with you. I don't think he will do it's it. Certainly, it's certainly an avenue. And good on those Labour lords as well, um, and the Tory ones, lots of Tory uh, yep. um, rebellions as well this week, um, where needed. And again, you know, doing their jobs, Daily Mail, they love the lords, don't they? They do, they do love the lords. Well, they loved the lords when they were voting, Yeah. Uh, when they were voting back to, um, to, to stop, what was it? How did they, how did they phrase it? To stop Labour spreading homosexual propaganda in our schools yeah. or something like that. I mean, well, it's you know when it mean. suits you, when it suits you, isn't it? But I mean, I, and we mentioned see, it. We mentioned it on this podcast last week, didn't we? It was only six years ago that the that the uh, that Paul Dacre, um, who may not have been in charge of the Daily Mail when they printed that revolting front page about um, about uh, section. 28? Eight, section 28. Section 28, all those years ago. Um, let's give Paul Dacre his credit. No, it might, would have been David English. It, it, would have been, it might have been David English. Um, but he was definitely in charge of the Daily Mail six years ago when uh, they went all out to stop Nick Clegg's reforms and uh, they thought that the House of Lords was well worth keeping there. 
Absolutely. As did Jacob Rees-Mogg when he... Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What goes around comes around. It does, and it certainly has come around now. Um, I mean, loads have been spectacular in the, in the last few weeks. Yeah. And hopefully they're making this bill better. That's the point. Well, that is that is the point, and there is. I mean, there's an element of time running out now, isn't there? So, can you can you talk about what the process will be now? Because all of this goes back to goes back to the Commons, right, doesn't it? So, and well, in a normal situation, if you know Mrs. Thatcher was still in charge with one of her mega majorities, yeah. they would quite quickly strike all of this out, wouldn't they? Uh, and then it would never really be heard. It would go back to the Lords, but it would never really be heard of again. Am I right? Yeah, but, what, but, but it's different that, now. That, well, it just that we just haven't got time for ping pong. Yeah. Well, I'm not suggesting we play ping pong. <laughs> I'm, we're doing a podcast. Don't be an idiot. Anyway, pool. Yeah. Well, no. Just answer the question, Matt. So you know full well what ping pong is. It's where amendments are made is by it the Lords. So they come back to the House of Commons. Yeah. They go back to the Lords. Yeah. House of Commons. Finally, the Commons goes. Oh, for f- sake, we're just doing we're just it. Just going to do it, yeah. But that's not going to happen this time because in time the Commons are just going to go. Oh, for f- sake, we're doing it. Yeah. Okay. And what's going to happen? However, then? I mean, all these amendments will need to be They'll debated, need to pass through and the... there will need to be there will need to be divisions on them. So every single one is a potential defeat for the government. Yeah, and there are some. Are there, there's some of these amendments, presumably, that Labour would. Support or uh, none of yeah, these? No, yeah, there'll, there'll be some really tight ones. I mean, I think. Um, I mean, the really sexy ones, obviously, are the the customs union one. Yeah, which you would imagine Labour will support. Well, that seems to be to their new idea the, now, yeah. doesn't it? Um, so Theresa May is going to have real trouble getting that through. That, of course, if the government are defeated on that one, yeah, then I don't really. Know, I mean, I don't really know what happens then because how can Theresa May has always said. And we've mentioned before that she set her stall out far too quickly on this, far too quickly. She did, yeah. Um, we are leaving the customs union. Yes. There may be a customs union. <laughs> That's right, leaving yeah. the customs union. But obviously that is a red line for Boris, as we've... It is, I mean, yeah. We'll, just, we we'll can get on to that in a, a second. Yeah. But it's certainly a red line for Rees-Mogg and the, um, and the ERG. Yeah. So, I mean, you would imagine... Rees-Mogg then, and the ERG... It's brilliant, isn't Corbyn it? Corbyn and the Lords. Corbyn and the Lords. There's so many potential great band names, aren't there? Rhys Mogg and the ERG. Yeah. I see them a bit like Prince and the yes. MPG, the oh, new power generation. Well, we should we should do a what what would MPs do if they were on um, Stars in Their Eyes with Matthew Kelly? That would be good. Yeah. Tonight. Let's go crazy. I'm going to We're already crazy. Prince. He's got, to be fair, he's probably got some of the suits for it, hasn't he? I Reece think Mogg. he'd be a good He's probably a good got a purple, a purple velvet um, uh, suit, hasn't he? Or a, a jacket, at least. Um, yeah, maybe. Anyway. It, it just, maybe Boris Johnson with his big purple face. Boris. <laughs> yeah. Who would Boris be? Who Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. There aren't many bloated liars in in rock, are there? He's a bit like Axel Rose now, isn't he? Axel Rose. Axel Rose. He's oh, got the bandana, brilliant. hasn't he? 
He has. He's got a bandana That's like it, Axel Rose. Axel Rose. I was looking at a picture of Axel Rose as he is now. Yeah. Today and boy, oh boy, that bandana is mightily stretched now. What, what's happened? Over is his, he just food? He looks like a well. Is it yeah. because he stopped taking other stuff? Well, I think it probably is. It does Have happen, doesn't Duckett it? The, coca- the post cocaine bloat. <laughs> In P. Doctor His head's like a Malteser, isn't it? Now, yeah, he's just I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, Libertine. I know. I'm, wow. I mean, I'm speaking as a man who has, you know, been on the foot pump himself over the years, and uh, <laughs> we're, you know, it's a middle-aged thing, isn't it? It's, a, it's an affliction of middle-aged men, but or um, well, anyway, speak for yourself. Well, no, you, but you're not yet middle-aged. Am I not? I'm, well, I was discussing with a young. I'm confident person. that with your diet, it will. It was. <laughs> What is wrong with my diet? Your lifestyle and diet. I'm confident what? that all this wrong? soon will be coming to you. How, how very rude. Well, it is very rude. I, Should we get back to the yes, um, to Jeremy Corbyn? Should, who yeah. is a svelte man, isn't he? He is. He is He's vegetarian, svelte. isn't he? he is. is he vegetarian? Vegetarian teetotaler. Anyway, um, there's quite a lot of good writing about Jeremy Corbyn in this week's New European, as you would expect. And Jane Merrick who is uh, in for Michael White this week. Michael White is away. Michael White is away. Is, is sort of pointing out that this is an opportunity. I think her piece is sort of headline, is it Corbyn's open goal or yeah, carpe yeah. diem yeah, Corbyn? Right, yeah. And she is sort of saying that, that maybe that there is a room now for, that there is room now for Labour to, there isn't going to be another election for a while. There's not going to be another election probably until... Brexit happens. Yeah, definitely. And so is it time to evolve a distinctive policy of opposing the hardest of Brexits? The problem with... I mean, yes, I would answer yes, but the problem that I seem to have with Labour is that when I talk to them and I suggest such a thing, they say, well, we've already got one. Well, what I know. don't yeah, you yeah, understand yeah. about yeah, yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she says that the Lib Dems, the Greens, the SNP have all got distinctive anti-Brexit positions, but only Labour have got the numbers to make no hard Brexit happen. And that yeah, is absolutely yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Andrew Adonis, again, another great piece, uh, he says Labour has got a weak message in leave in leave England, so the, in in um, the, uh, Brexit England, which I agree with, and is distrusted in Remain England. And yeah. I think, you know, we haven't really. I don't think Labour has begun to digest how many votes they didn't get at the local elections. Well, because I've of... seen some internal polling. Right, I'll okay. just drop this in. Sure. And uh, sorry, internal analysis. Yeah. And fifty of the most marginal areas that they would obviously need to win in a general election, yeah, they lost ground. They lost ground yeah. in, just generally or because of, well, for whatever reason. Yeah, we're not sure why. I mean, obviously, you know, you would, yeah, if you're fishing around for reasons, Brexit's going to be in that pond, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Adonis says that Labour should just think again about this, develop an anti-hard Brexit strategy and then go big on reform and talk to leave England about all the great plans for reform. So what we're going to do about housing, jobs, the NHS, education in your area that we won't be able to do if there's hard Brexit. Yeah. And, and he says stop blaming immigrants uh, yeah. for, for, for everything, the so- I mean, social ills of the country. To, without wanting to play devil's advocate, the... Labour Party that Lord Adonis was involved in should have probably been doing that. I, I completely agree with that. Um, uh, there we go. And I think that, you know, <coughs> I, I think that that is what they should do. And I think that Labour are 
one, they are running scared of headlines um, that say Corbyn is is going against the will of the people and he's betraying, you know, yeah. traditional Labour yeah. voters in Leave areas. Yeah. And I think two, they are unrealistic about this. And and I I, I was absolutely stunned. I was reading a piece uh, earlier. I it, I think it may have been in the in the New Statesman. Um, which was talking about Ian Lavery's, um, who I, who uh, I always imagine as being Ian Lavender in Dad's Army at Cardiff <laughs> Pike. But Ian Lavery was delivering his, uh, I guess, to the NEC. Yeah. Um, was was saying why Ian Lavery was was uh, delivering this thing to the NEC and saying. Uh, making the case for why Labour hadn't done as well as people like Owen Jones said that they did do in the local elections. And he he said that it was the fault of one, hostile interventions against Jeremy Corbyn by rebel Labour MPs, two, the fact that young people who are going to sweep Labour to power in the next general election don't vote in local elections, and three, the fact that Jeremy Corbyn, because of... There's no broadcasting impartiality like there is in a general election. Jeremy Corbyn wasn't on TV enough. And I just think that is just a remarkable, you know, every every single one of those, is, is, is apart from the young people, is, yeah. is, is wrong. I can buy the young people one to some extent, but you can't... But, but, but Momentum and Owen Jones, the, the, the great, the fine work that they did, and you can look at Owen Jones's timeline for all the Momentum successes, yeah, yeah. that was involving bringing young people out. Yeah, so, yeah. so, you know, anyway. Indeed. All right, well, let's talk about... So, so to, to cap this off, we don't think they're going to do anything, but we think they should. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it really is such a great opportunity... For yeah. Labour, but I think that um, no, I don't. I don't think they will. No, I don't think they will. We must just please mention a great speech that Alistair Campbell gave. Alistair was on this pod last week. Yes, if you missed last week's, go back and find it. He gave a. We sort of kind of gave a hint of the speech actually to us in last week's pod. He sort of trailed it. Yeah. Uh, but he was talking at the Progress Conference, which was last Saturday in London, and 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 saying to. Sort of speaking to to Corbyn really, and speaking to the wider Labour Party, and and on the just as a backdrop to this, I wrote a piece which said that it had been a bad night for Labour at the local elections. Yes, right. My Twitter just went berserk. Yes, for until Sunday evening, I was still getting attacked for even suggesting. How can anyone think this is anything but a huge victory? Yeah, I should have, I shouldn't have sent all those tweets. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, but it just amused me to do it. Yeah, it was funny. I, I do admit. Well, but he, as we he, said before, Owen Jones put up a sterling defence, didn't he? And actually said it was a, you know. But I, I'm with Alistair. This is what me, he says. Me too. If I see one more person from the momentum side saying these are the best results since 1971, what planet are they on? These are bad results. You're talking here about the government, which is possibly the worst government in living memory. You've had Windrush. You've had Grenfell. You've had Brexit negotiations going from bad to worse. You've had the National Health Service under more pressure than it's been for a long time. Serial incompetence, day after day after day, yet the public do not seem in nearly sufficient numbers remotely interested in supporting the Labour Party. Yeah, well, I think that's right. You got it? He's got it? Um, he has got it. That is, that is the exasperating thing. Yes. I, on the pod last week, I said to Alistair, goodness me, imagine the new Labour machine who would make mincemeat out of this Tory government. Yeah, you would. And... Uh, 
but but Corbyn's just not up to it, is he? I think that's what Alistair's saying. I mean, the problem is that Momentum will just say, well, screw you, yeah, we Blair, were, right? Well, we were nearly there. Yes, exactly. They can just ignore him and uh, and, and they will say things like um, like uh, Ian Lavery did, which we, we mentioned a, a moment ago. But anyway, that's it's a. Let, I tell you what, let's. I want to speak about something else. Just, I'm just going to play you a little section of Alice's speech because it was really good. Is he playing the bagpipes? He's not playing the bagpipes, but he will be later. So if you tune in just for the bagpipes, you can just fast forward <laughs> just to, just the fast to the end. Yeah. But I do believe the argument for a change of course can be won and be the basis for an increase, not a drop, in support for Labour, because people want leadership. They want explanation of what's happening in the world and they want decisions for the long term taken, not ducked. And that is why I do so strongly support those MPs and peers on both sides prepared to fight so hard for what they believe at the risk of being labelled traitors and saboteurs. And it's why I deplore the fact that under Jeremy Corbyn, so proud of his rebellious past, Many do not even treat Brexit now on its merits, but rather through the absurd reduction of every single issue as a judgment on him and his leadership. <clears throat> so, are we, are we really, really, really going to trust the Brextremists on this? When so many lies were told, promises broken, laws on funding and data seemingly broken too, when we know how high the cost will be, the damage to our economy, our standing in the world, our young generations overwhelmingly demanding that change of course. No, we can't trust them. So we have to fight. We cannot give in to this fatalism because I, for one, do not trust this government to get a good deal when in place of specifics they give nothing but wishful slogans. And I do not yet trust this Parliament to do the right thing for the country and that is why I back the People's Vote campaign to give the people a say on the final Brexit deal. <clears throat> it's also why I back the campaign launched here today for a meaningful vote at Labour Conference, www.laboursay.eu. And why I urge you all to subscribe to the New European, because if our sales keep going at the, the rate that they are, and the males keep diving at the rate that they are, I will still be alive when we overtake them. Um, so you mentioned us, which was nice. Yes. But what probably, not more importantly, but importantly, click on laboursay.eu, which is a progress campaign, which, which Alistair mentions there, which is basically making sure that Labour delegates get the chance to um, discuss Brexit in conference this year, because last year Momentum pulled a few dirty tricks, shall we say, and made sure it wasn't. Because I think the true feeling from a lot of the Labour Party... Um, has to come out of conference and that's where decisions are made for Labour of course well it is so click on that and support that campaign and, and we know don't we that I mean I, I, can't, rem I can't remember the exact figures but it's something like 87% of Labour members are in favour of staying in the single market and 72% of Labour voters are in favour of a soft Brexit. I think that's I think that's the right way around. It could be the other way around. Yeah, it's, it's, well, there's certainly, certainly figures which leave you in no doubt as to the feeling of the majority. So laboursay.eu. Laboursay.eu. Which is 
for a Labour say on the EU exactly. in conference exactly. rather than be yeah, a yeah, bad yeah. version of Frankie say relax. Labour say EU. Yeah, okay. <laughs> There's a Good. t-shirt there. There is. Catherine Hamnett is on the case. I have no doubt about it. Steve, um, relax. Just do it. Boris Johnson then. Boris, crazy Boris. Are you crazy? He's crazy like. Is he crazy like a fox? Or is he crazy like Howling Mad Murdoch? Or... Do you remember that um, 80s uh, sort of situational comedy sort of romp thing called Crazy Like the Fox? Wasn't it a... Wasn't it a I thought it was like a detective show, wasn't yeah, his it? his dad was a detective and he was a solicitor. And was one of them Crazy Like a Fox? He, they were both... Last name was Fox. Ah. And the, the was old, any of them the crazy? Older man, the, the older man was crazy and was gung-ho and the son was very conservative and... And a lawyer, and he'd always get caught up in some. So the old guy was crazy. Yeah. So that is like Boris Johnson and Theresa May, isn't it? Yes, I guess it is. She really. is. He is. Um, what's he called? Um, what are they called in Lethal Weapon? Riggs. Oh. Howling um, Mad. No, not. He's called Mad Riggs, isn't he? And Murtog or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. So like Theresa that. May is Danny Glover, basically. Yeah. Does, scared does, to, scared to get off the exploding toilet. Yeah. <laughs> and Boris Johnson is just smutting his hair up and yeah. uh, Patsy Kensett. Oh, allegedly. Allegedly. Probably. Um, no, probably. allegedly. Um, I'm, I'm beginning to find Boris Johnson's sort of eternal struggle. I'm <laughs> beginning to find it quite amusing now. He could basically say that Theresa May smells of piss now and not get not sacked. Not get sacked. What, what, you smell of I... piss, your husband looks like Arthur Askey. <laughs> That's true. He though. could say all of this at the dispatch box. If... <laughs> and and she would just go, well, Boris is Boris. You 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 hold the power to, to sack me. Yeah. If you said... if if. To be fair, if you, if you said that I smelled of piss and my husband looked like Arthur Askey... <laughs> I don't have a husband. But, He's only my boyfriend. And, um, oh, but the, and all my ideas were crazy. I yeah. would sack you. Well, but I mean, if I was just telling you about the piss thing as, as a friend, friend, yeah, yeah, Steve, yeah, mate. But maybe not. But but I would still sack you um, <laughs> because I'm that kind of person. Yeah, yeah. But she isn't going to do it. No. And she is just waiting for him to flounce out. Yeah. And we're well, all waiting I, for him to flounce out now because she just isn't going to do it. Do you think I? Um, we mentioned this last week actually. Enough, but it's been playing on my mind about he, uh, could, he, he should start doing the aside <laughs> when she's on at PFQs just behind her. <laughs> I'll have to bleep that out. He, he's, you were suggesting that he should do a movement with his with his hands. Yeah, 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 her, and yeah. start doing the old. Put the old, <laughs> put the old describe put the one. tongue in to, to the left cheek and make a gesture, and make a gesture towards the right cheek. He should do all of that while she's talking. She still wouldn't be able to sack it. Or maybe just like when, just like lift her skirt up. Just whoa, who did that? I think that would get him in trouble with the police, perhaps. Probably, yeah. yeah don't try that at home, Boris. So, I mean, he's it's just extraordinary, isn't it? Now he's he's. Is uh, there but, anything he could do? I mean, without being silly like we just have been. What no, would I it, don't think so. I mean, no. if you if you said this, what she is proposing is it's crazy. crazy. <laughs> and if you and if you did it while you were out of the country, out of the country, yeah, on your little jolly to that went well as well, didn't to it? Meet by Mr. the way, Trump's wife to meet his daughter. She's not <laughs> his wife. Daughter, sorry. Um, 
Although, you well, know, exactly you can see you can. where you can see where that four other Freudian um, slip has occurred. And um, and then you you went, oh, this is a, my friend happens to be here from the Daily Mail. Shall I give him a big interview saying that my boss's plans are crazy? And it is just it is just amazing. Love it. And the fact is that you know, do you remember all the times when. Boris Johnson said, I can't believe all this stuff is uh, keeps appearing in the press with my name on it and my friends are misrepresenting me and I'm not I'm you know, I'm I'm loyal, I'm not saying all of this. And now it's it is it was an interview with him where he's calling his own boss's ideas crazy. And then there are and then his boss is or Downing Street are, are saying to journalists, off the record, clearly Look, there's a picture of Boris Johnson smiling and giving a thumbs up while holding a document, the contents of which he's just described as crazy. And this appears literally seconds afterwards. It's absolutely amazing. I really loved the quote. Uh, I think this was was, uh, in The Sun. Boris is completely fed up. He thinks he's the only one pushing Brexit now. (laughs) He's fed up. He thinks they're all crazy. It's amazing. <laughs> it's good fun, though, isn't it? And also the great the the stuff that's been leaked to Buzzfeed when he when they had the the cabinet meeting on Tuesday yeah. after um, after he had said all of this is crazy. Yeah. They made him sit down and look at a presentation by uh, Philip Hammond in which he revealed that the Max Fact thing, oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. which Boris is pushing, would leave the British economy worse <laughs> off by one point eight percent and would negatively impact one hundred and forty five thousand UK companies. So that's I really good for that one. But experts, Treasury, you know. Uh, we get it wrong all the time. We should stop listening to those experts. Did you see the letter in the New European by Tony Patterson? It is the lead letter. This is one of, I, I think did. this is one of the yeah, best letters did, that we yeah. have ever printed, and I'm going to read some of it for you now. He says, Boris Johnson and his mates remind me of Max Bialystok, I think it is, or Bialystok, and Leopold Bloom. They were the producers in yeah, the, producers, yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah. film. They got in bed with crackpots to put a, lo- a ludicrous spectacle before the public in the certain belief that it would fail, uh, but it would still prove personally advantageous to them. Then they were ultimately trapped by the consequences of its unexpected success. This is this is a good analogy, yeah, um, Tony Patterson. The producers end up uh, trying to blow up the theatre where their surprise hit is playing, and it's no def- different to Boris Johnson, who's now trying to blow up uh, a cabinet which is struggling to deliver the lunacy of, bre- uh, of Brexit, and he also quotes the uh, what um, Zero Mistel says in the in the uh, in the uh, where he says, "I picked the wrong play, the wrong director, and the wrong cast. Where did I go right?" Which is which is great, you know. Um, it it's is. Very it's a very good letter. Very that good congratulations to Tony Patterson. Okay, I'll be talking to Jerry next. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One, or order online at our website www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Welcome back. I'm joined by Jerry Scott. Jerry Scott, 
Good day to you. Good day to you. How are you doing? It's all good. It's sunny outside. It's a good day. Yeah, all right, good. Didn't oversleep or anything this morning? I don't know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) I just heard rumours. I'm just just glad this is recorded and on audio, not video. (laughs) Yes, that's Joey easy in her dressing gown. Someone's already said to me today I don't look my best. Rude, if anything. Nice slippers, though. (laughs) Um, Oh, Let's talk about UKIP. Let's, let's. One of my favourite things. Well, this has been prompted by an article that um, Lord Adonis has written in the paper this week, Mm -hmm. which imagines Nigel Farage going back to the Tories and even becoming leader. Oh, the horror. I know. Um, But obviously we've had the local elections and as the dust has now settled upon them, UKIP had a woeful night, didn't they? Yeah, it wasn't great for them at all, was it? I mean, it couldn't couldn't really have been much worse. Yeah. I mean, they were wiped out. They're absolutely wiped out. They lost more than ninety council seats. Yeah, and so are they dead? So UKIP will have you say, will have you think no? Been described as the Black Death, but in a way, as it's <laughs> yeah, in coming well, back. It was funny, wasn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, but then we've said this before, and they keep clinging on. So. I'd like to think yes, but maybe no. <laughs> maybe they're going to come back, but God knows what with. I think, though, that, that I think as a definable force, yeah. what we obviously saw at the local elections was people who used to vote UKIP now thinking that they no longer need to, that, that, that it was always perhaps a protest vote and that protest has now been successful, i.e. we are leaving the European Union. Yeah. So they floated back to the Tory party. So I think you saw that in voters, and I think you also saw it in candidates before the elections, a lot of them defecting and either setting up their own kind of independent groups or, or yeah, you know, going under the Tory banner. Yeah. Um, so what does, it, what does it mean then for the future of UKIP? Because I, I, my, my view is that they were always... I mean, it was always going to be a tricky time for them when they finally got what they wanted. Yeah. It's like Lacanian... Philosophy, isn't it? <laughs> Is it? Yes. Tell me. <laughs> Jacques Lacan. Who? Well, his theory was based on, as a, as a human, you always lack something. Right. From the moment you're born, you always lack something. Sounds and when right. you get the thing you want, you find something else to lack. Okay. But UKIP have got what they wanted <laughs> and are now imploding because they never had any serious policies other than... Well, there were some brilliant ones. <laughs> making train travel glamorous and making the circle line a circle. Absolutely. And, um, but, but, but really, they, they were one one trick pony, weren't they? Yeah. I um, mean, and that trick has been done now. Yeah, it's and they are going to have to... I mean, there was that line, wasn't there, that, uh, that UKIPers are going to have to go back to where they came from, which I think was said completely without irony, or at least <laughs> I really hope it was. Um... <laughs> But the question is, where where are they going to go back to, apart from potentially drinking a warm lager at the end of the bar? But well, I think what they're going to do is they're going to go they go back to the Tory party, and yeah. and what 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 impact will that have on the Tories? Because there's already a strong, but in the minority, certainly in Parliament, a strong vocal, very Brexity wing, but they are in the minority. Yeah. But if grassroots is going to get this influx of Brexity voters as well, then that will, in time start to uh, manifest itself in in policies. Yeah, I mean, in my view, actually, though, I think the damage has already been done by the mere existence of UKIP. It pushed parties to the extreme, Mm. even when those those, those UKIPers weren't members of those parties. um, 
you, you, there's been a lot in the news about this hostile environment to immigration. That's under the Immigration Act. And that was brought in at really when UKIP were arguably at their most, yeah. you know, um, powerful, even, even though they even never really Labour had Labour were, were worried about UKIP then. I mean, you remember the Labour yeah. mugs? And... Yeah, I mean, and, and Yvette Cooper at the time said that those hostile environment proposals like... Um, you know, restricting access to bank accounts and driving licences based on immigration status has seemed sensible. Mm. So mm. I think the damage has already been done. It's just, yeah, they're going to merge back in, back into these parties. And, you know, it's not, it isn't just the Tories that they're going to merge back into either. There is, there is that side of, of Labour Absolutely. that will take Absolutely. their fair share. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although that wasn't really borne out in the local election results. No, 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 not so much, no. <sighs> okay, so if... If I'm sure that UKIP will rumble on for for a few years uh, in some way, shape, or form. Well, they've managed to fundraise the money to keep going and not go yeah, bankrupt. Yeah, <laughs> um, but but let's look back on their legacy, uh, shameful legacy. We would suggest a little bit because mm-hmm. it, they obviously were a single issue party, but as a pressure group, which is what I guess they really were. Um, they never they had two MPs of course but they were both the factors yeah and they did have quite a lot of council seats to be fair yeah. but I mean are, are they the most successful pressure group of all time I mean potentially because look at as much as it might pain us look at what they've achieved it's a massive change in our history potentially the biggest constitutional change you know, in how in however long, and they did it all without any real power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's the really interesting yeah. thing about them. I mean, they didn't have any really for any length of time any any seats in the House of Commons. No, and you know, not to not to point the finger at other other places in our industry, but the coverage they get as well is um, is absolutely phenomenal. You know, when they don't have or didn't have really any of their own MPs apart from those defectors, so. Mm. And that was only briefly as well. Absolutely. I mean, for the vast majority of their history, they haven't had any MPs. No. So, obviously the fortunes of UKIP have somewhat diminished mm-hmm. since a certain Nigel Farage left the party. <laughs> really, we're not talking about UKIP as being a successful pressure group, in my opinion. We're, we're looking at Farage on his own. Yeah. And as far as politicians go... This is not as being nice to Nigel Farage. Let's just look at the facts. <laughs> He's never been elected mm-hmm. to, to Parliament. He's mm-hmm. an MEP, obviously. And yet, from from that status, he has faraged in ways that are not always obvious are two major parties. Yeah. Do you agree? 100%. 100%. He's, he's all the way through them, isn't he, at various levels? Certainly, in... the, certainly the Tories, and I mean, the, the immigration policy that you mentioned yeah. is a perfect example. But also, there'll be lots of um, momentum activists who will hate Nigel Farage. Yeah. Okay? Fine. But his brand of populist yeah. uh, politics and the way that he got his message out bears some resemblance to what Momentum have done. Of course it does. It's a different message, obviously. Yeah, but, and that kicking the... the establishment in the backside, though, yeah. is a message that has resonated. Um, because, and I've written this just this week, for for too long, mainstream politicians to had, and this is tr- true for, for Labour, certainly, but also for the Tories, uh, I know best, mm-hmm. um, we know what's best for you, view. <clears throat> and, of course, they are our elected representatives, so there has to be um, some of that. 
But Farage went, no, you don't know best, I know best, and I've got all these people who agree with me. Yeah. Which is exactly what Momentum are doing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, different sides of the spectrum, but that's exactly what it is. And it's that... Another thing about UKIP is they really, again, similarly to Momentum, grabbed onto the technology side of gaining that support. And, you know, we've said in this podcast before how the Tories have potentially been behind with that and that's been to their detriment. But whether you like them or not, there was a time where you couldn't get on Twitter or somewhere like that without seeing UKIP activists all over the place. Um, So I think... You know, it's not, it's a bit of a, you know, it's not, they're not so far apart. No. And that would horrify lots of momentum. Yes. (laughs) But these are, there are extreme views from from the opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And there are certainly methods that have been employed that are very similar. So um, what about this this theory that he will join the, join the Tories? What do you think? Rejoin, in fact. (laughs) Yeah, I could see it. I think he'll do anything for his. I think he's self-serving. He likes a bit of fame, but, doesn't he? Yeah, he'll do. He'll do it. He'll do it. Is he ever going to be leader of the Tories? Oh, God, um, I really hope not. But in um, it seems a bit far-fetched. <laughs> especially a fight out between him and Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah. <laughs> but imagine, you know what though? And I said, I said after reading that article to a colleague, I said it seems I like you know I like it. I understand, yeah, of but I but I. I think it seems a bit far-fetched. But who knows, in these heady days of... Well, exactly. (laughs) Well, if you'd have told me five years ago that Donald Trump would be the President of the United Mm -hmm. States and Jeremy Corbyn would be the leader of the Labour Party and, you know, had pushed the Tories to the brink of election defeat, then I would have laughed at you probably even harder than Nigel Farage being leader of the Tories. (laughs) So more outlandish things have already happened. Never say never. Our final thought on Nigel... Obviously, we are very mean to him um, for all the right reasons. Um, but his dogged determination to get it done is admirable. Um, I, that's what the Remain cause needed. Absolutely. He was so, persistent and he got what he wanted. He did. Or, well, maybe well, he won't. Because maybe <laughs> you and this podcast could start use could be faraged <laughs> and we could stop brexit maybe maybe i'll uh, i'll think about that <laughs> okay jerry thank you very much for your thoughts on nigel farage it's a pleasure as always brexiteer of the week welcome back it's time for Brexiteer of the Week. Steve is going to sing his new theme tune, which he's just sung for me privately, and it's brilliant. Well, I th- I, I'm, I'm throwing this open because right. oh. because it's our it's our it's one a, year anniversary, it isn't is. it? It's we our are, birthday. We're one today, yeah. It's our birthday podcast, and I think we probably need some new jingles, don't new we? New jingles. Some new, new stings, are they called? Stings, yeah, yeah. Are we gonna, should we get some professionals to do it, or should we just ask the listeners? We to... could ask the listeners. I'm sure there are professionals... Uh, well, I'm sure there are. They wouldn't get paid, obviously. So I'm thinking <laughs> for this bit, it has to be better than da 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 da. da. Yeah, Brexiteer yeah. of the week. It's got to be better than that, right? And it's got to be. I mean, I you know, I'm a show tune sort of. So I was thinking something like <laughs> Brexit there, Brexit here. Who's the week's worst Brexiteer? The dancing it, was brilliant. Then. But it could be, you know, it could be anything. Yeah, it could be anything. I quite like um, what what sort of music do do I like? I like industrial music. 
Right. So it could, it could be a grinding sort of semi throbbing gristle throbbing sort of effort. We share a we share a, a, a love of a, a love well, of the TG. I'm not sure I go as far um, as to say I love them, but we share I like, certainly um, appreciation. I like I like um, I like sort of um, the the sort of I like sort of acid acid rock jazz, the sort of Miles Davis. So if you wanted to do a sort of acid rock jazz freak out right. in the style of Bitches Brew or Live Evil, I'd be right up for that. Okay. Um, and I also like sort of yacht rock. So so any of those, really, have you lost well, interest? I, no, I haven't. I, I'm just, what I'm thinking is that maybe if we could get three or four, we could play them all and we could have a vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Throbbing Gristle need to reform. Some kind of pulsing freak out, I would have thought. Yeah, uh, and maybe a robot voice that says Brexit Day Brexit Day of the Week. Yeah. That would be good. That would right. work well for so me. So if you can, guys can sort that out for next week, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, um, in the meantime, uh, lots of competition for the Brexit Day of the Week, as always. I, I'm going to do a little... I'm going to start with a little UKIP special. Okay, great. Um, just after we... Um, uh, did last week's uh, great podcast, which was a local election special. Um, a man called Paul Oakley appeared on the on the radio, and we we missed this, didn't we? I think we we yeah. might have just just referenced it slightly. He's the UKIP general secretary, and he enlivened UKIP's miserable, uh, wonderfully miserable local election display um, by comparing it to the Black Death. He said, uh, it, ca- it yeah. comes along, it causes disruption, and then it goes dormant, the Black Death, and that's what we're going to do. Um, Hooray! That's uh, Paul Oakley from UKIP. He was previously best known for standing for UKIP in Clacton in the 2017 general election, where he lost 36.8% of the party's vote, which is uh, quite good. That was a seat that they held, obviously. It was Douglas Carswell's old seat, wasn't it? Yep. Um, likening UKIP to the Black Death... Clever analogy, but it, the Black Death well, did cause tens of millions of deaths a, it, across Europe, yeah. um, which is something that UKIP haven't even managed yet. But, <laughs> bizarrely, James Dellingpole, who we've not mentioned here enough, James Dellingpole is kind of, how would you describe him? He's an alt-right scribe, isn't he? He's, yeah. got a, he's usually got a refreshingly original take. Would you say that? Well, I, I have to say, I, don't, I certainly do not live in an echo chamber, but I also have to... I have to be honest and say that I'm not a follower of Dellingpole. I'm aware of his work. You're aware of his work. So, yeah, he's, he's idiosyncratic, I would say, um, uh, James Dellingpole. He said that everybody who was laughing at Paul Oakley for comparing UKIP <laughs> to the Black Death were indulging in ugly social justice warrior bullying, oh, well, I agree with point you. and shriek mobbing, yep. and dirty trick cheap shots. And James Dellingpole also wrote, UKIP lost these elections because the times are currently against them. They did not lose these elections because people who work for them, sorry, everyone who works for them, is a risible incompetent who can't help making the sort of stupid gaffes that have turned <laughs> UKIP into a laughingstock. Well, it's not everyone who no. works for them, no, James, but, mm, you know, maybe there's a case. Gerard Batten is the leader of UKIP. He's also a candidate for Brexit Theory of the Week. He, uh, he turned up at much the same time as Paul Oakley was turning up, uh, and he was asked uh, on BBC TV to comment on the local election yeah. night. I think UKIP had only lost 123 seats at that point. They lost a few more. A good night for them. Uh, <laughs> he said the results proved that UKIP was still a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. Um, and the best thing about him, truth. though, is that he also, in the same uh, in the same interview, he, he said um, he referred to his predecessor, or sorry, predecessor, but one, 
as UKIP leader as uh, Paul Nuttall. He said he referred to him as Paul Nutters, yeah. which I really loved. And I thought, I liked, about, you know, Paul Nuttall is is a is a such Do you think that's what his nickname him? is, Paul oh, Nutters? I think it probably is. Oh, good old Paul Nutters. He's and such a jolly chap when you chat to him. He's, he's having a right time, is Paul Nuttall. Paul I just think he loves life. He's loving life. He's living yeah. his best life. Yeah, he really is. He is. He is. He is. He's doing <laughs> all in Brussels. And we're all paying for it. And that is his best life. Um, anyway, Paul Nutters, he called him. And it's, it'd be brilliant in a year or so's time when he's Gerard Batten is forgotten and some other future captain of the UKIP Titanic calls him. Oh, good old Gerard Batty. Thanks for him to keeping the, the good work. Godfrey Bloom isn't a member of UKIP anymore, is he? He resigned. Oh, yeah, but he's still my favourite kid. He resigned shortly after um, saying that foreign slags? aid shouldn't go to EA yeah, Slags, he said, didn't he? Slags. Slags. <laughs> Um, and but he he said that we shouldn't pay any more <coughs> foreign aid to Bongo Bongo Land, That's did he? Right, what yeah. he called Bongo Bongo Land. So he resigned from UKIP shortly after that in 2013. Have you seen his new video? Well, which, which one? I don't think I not have the seen. one where he gets his sword out. Oh, that is my favourite video. There's one the where he he's he says um, he 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 calls on UKIP voters to go and burn down Parliament, mm. which I think is a bit harsh, even for Godfrey. Bloom, he says, we've had a referendum, we've had a general election, the 17 million people who voted to leave have got to go down to London and burn down the House of Commons. They've got to. And they've got to burn down the House of Lords because that's the only language these people understand. (laughs) Like the cab driver in private eye, cab driver right. So that's good. And then finally, from the Kippers, we mentioned Nigel Farage earlier on. Yeah. Do you remember in February he went to, um, to to Dublin, didn't he? And there was a great footage of him walking down the street in Dublin, and a brilliant Dubliner. I'm not going to do the accent because it would be offensive. Shouted at him, "Go back home to where you came from," which even Good. Nigel Farage found I'll quite do, I'll funny. I'll do the accent. Uh, don't do the accent. Um, <laughs> but in February he made a speech at a conference, and he said that the tide in the Republic was turning in favour of. Erexit, is it? Erexit. <laughs> and he said there are voices now in Ireland saying that the Brits are right and people are soon going to vote for Erexit, Erexit, whatever you like. And, and at the time, they won't say that again, and at the time the polls showed that 88% of the Irish wanted to stay in the EU and do you know what his intervention has done? Well, I would imagine it'll be a 52-48 split. That's what it's, you it's similar to yeah, that. Yeah, now yeah. the figure for Remain has increased to 92%. Yeah. So well done yeah. to Nigel Farage. David Davis ah. is the runner-up <laughs> oh, is he? Um, in Brexiteer of the Week. And I don't think enough people have picked up on this. In September, David Davis said that the... No, don't worry about the Irish border. Don't you don't you worry about it, lads. I've got it all sorted out. And they said, why? And he said, we will get a non-visible border operational by using the most up-to-date technology. And then he, he was in the committee last week. He didn't, this week, he didn't say, this time he didn't say... I'm busy, can we hurry this Yeah, up? yeah, can we just hurry through this? He, he, he said, um, and people went... Can you give us an update on all the technology that you are working on and, and have you actually looked at the technology? And he refused to give an update on it and he sort of waffled on. And then his mate, Robin Walker, the junior minister, came on straight after him and they asked him how much progress had been made and he said none whatsoever. 
on looking at the hardware <laughs> you know and software. What, People who say things like the most up-to-date technology <laughs> yeah. tend to not really know that much about. No, <clears throat> it's really cutting-edge <laughs> tech. High tech. Show. High tech, he said. Videograms. And, and that, and and that, it just the whole thing put me in mind of a great piece that I wrote. Uh, that I wrote. I wish I'd have written it. It was a great piece that I, I read. It sounded like Paul Nuttall. Yeah, I wrote this. <laughs> it's the Bible. In between playing for England. Um, it, it reminded me of a great piece that I read in The Guardian in 2008, which I'm able to quote from uh, word for word verbatim here. And it said, this, this piece was brilliant, and it said, um, faced with intractable problems uh, that have political pressure for a solution... The government always reaches for a headline-grabbing, high-tech solution. Rather than spend resources, time and the thought necessary to get a real answer, the government naively grasps at solutions uh, that to technologically illiterate ministers look like magic. And then I looked to see who'd written that in 2008, and guess who it was? David Davis! Mm. (laughs) Anyway. uh, I remember that episode of uh, The Thick of It where he goes to a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he goes off to announce the app. You know yeah, the app, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, David Davis. I'll be sorry, I'll be sorry to I won't be sorry to see him go. He's a oh, f- idiot. But, yo, but the Brexiteer of the week is Gavin Williamson. No, I love Gav. Spider-Man. He's spider. You love him and he's big tarantula. I want his hairy legs all over me. Oh, crawling all over you. And, By the fireplace, And the Kronos as well. <laughs> And this also, I don't think this has been mentioned enough. He said, Gavin Williamson said last week, in a post-Brexit world, the only limit will be our imagination. Oh, and that's went, beautiful. And you went, that is a beautiful turn of phrase, isn't it? And then I thought, hang on a minute, I've heard that turn of phrase before. And it sounds a bit to me like something that I used to hear years and years ago when my children were smaller and they used to play with toys and then I did a bit of digging and the only limit is your imagination is a marketing phrase that has been used in the marketing <laughs> in promotional material for both Lego and Connects, which is yeah. an also a, a sort of building block yeah. isn't it and I just wonder whether Gavin Williamson at some point has gone oh, I like a bit of Lego, me, and I like this Connects, and I'm making a little robot. And then he saw on the on the packaging, it said, the only limit is your imagination. And he thought, that's good. And I hope that that is comforting to him, because putting Britain together, again, piece by piece after Brexit, is not going to be child's play for you. So Gavin Williamson, you and your spider are the Brexiteers of the week. I think that's unfair on the spider. All right. My favourite cartoonist... Is Martin Rosen. It, I obviously don't have a favourite cartoonist. Yeah, go on. It'd be like asking me to pick my favourite child. Yeah, I've got a favourite child. Um, no, I love Tim Bradford's. He's good, strip. isn't he? Yeah, and last week there's a brilliant cartoon of, of Gavin in a tank. Have you seen it? Yes, it's very and good. And he says, the Russians are coming, hide your fireplaces. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Brexiteer of the week. Fantastic. Congratulations, Gavin. What should... The listener do right now. Well, I hope you enjoyed this beautiful um, anniversary podcast. Yeah. Um, of the New European. I did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm talking to the listener oh, at sorry. large. Um, 
you could, if you really wanted to, you could leave us a lovely review and a great big star rating uh, on whatever your podcatching tool of choice is, uh, be it Spotify, be it iTunes, be it Audio Boom, any of those kind of things. Yeah, that makes a big uh, difference. I would like you, it would make a really big difference. I would also like you to follow me on Twitter at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E, S-E-Y. Uh, you can follow The New European on Twitter um, at The New European. You can join our new Facebook group for uh, New European readers. I'm not sure I want anyone else to follow me on Twitter. I've had a rough week on Twitter. Have you? Ugh. I had all, them, I had all those Corbynistas at the weekend. Oh, yeah. Then I got tangled up with the impress lot last night. Oh, dear. But you can if you want. Of course, I welcome debate and even ridicule. Yeah. Um, at Porrit, which is P-O-R-R-I-T-T. That was the New European Podcast, a year on from the very first one. As I said at the start, the reason for that is that you guys keep listening, telling your mates to listen, telling your family to listen, tell anyone, just stand up on the bus and scream it. In fact, don't listen to us on headphones, put big speakers, make everyone listen to us. If you like the pod, then you probably have already got the paper, if you haven't, you should. It's £2.50, it's in all good news agents now, it's got a great picture of Boris on the front. It's not just politics, not just Brexit, lots of art. Lots of culture. Really, there is lots of stuff crammed into those pages. We will be back next week. But until then, Mr Campbell, play your bagpipes. Your name Steve Anglesey. I'm here to talk about Brexit. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.